This reading is taken from Luke 2, 1 to 15. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee <coughs> to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Whilst they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So this is the story of the first Christmas. The story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And Luke's account gives us a very simple and straightforward account of the birth. But actually, if we look into it, we find that the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ was anything but simple and straightforward. Because the story starts actually round about nine months earlier when the angel Gabriel appears unto Mary and he tells her that she's going to be a mother of a baby even though she was a virgin. A virgin who might have only been 13, 14 or 15 years old. The baby would be miraculously conceived by God. And the baby would be the son of God, God coming in human flesh. When Mary appeared soon after this to become pregnant, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, found out about it. And there's no doubt Joseph would have been shocked, stunned. Because the only thing that he could think was that she must have had a relationship with another man. And he found this devastating. Because he knew that Mary was a righteous girl. He knew that Mary was a girl who loved God. And he really had to think, what was he going to do? And he thought that he'd going to have to divorce, break the betrothal with Mary. And imagine what it was like for Mary 
a young girl become pregnant, how she had to tell Joseph. Imagine what it was like facing her mother and her father. Imagine the difficulty that she was going through. And sad to say, in that time and in that culture, she would have been absolutely shunned. Imagine the gossip that would be going around that this young girl betrothed and slept with another and become pregnant. But with thanks that another angel appeared in a dream to Joseph and told him not to be afraid to take her as your wife because that which is conceived in her by the Holy Spirit is by the Holy Spirit and she's going to bring forth a child named Jesus and this child is going to be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mary went through a very difficult start. She didn't select to become pregnant. She was chosen to become pregnant. And she accepted it. If Joseph had decided to accuse her, she could have been taken and stoned to death. Remember that famous story when Jesus came across another woman caught in adultery and they were going to stone her to death and he steps in and saves her. But fortunately, Joseph was a good man and he decided to put her away quietly. But after having received that vision, that dream from God, that gave him his courage to go ahead and take Mary to be his wife. Now, nine months later passes Gabriel's announcement. Mary becomes full term, and she's giving, going to give birth to the baby Jesus. But along comes this degree from Caesar Augustus that all inhabitants have got to return to their place of birth. And the Jewish people have been resisting this and fighting against it because it meant more taxation. But now the Romans had piled in with their troops and said, this will happen. So now they were forced to go back to their place of their birth, Bethlehem. At that time, they were in Nazareth. Nazareth was about 90 miles away from Bethlehem. And so they had to go on a journey, a journey which must have been absolutely grueling for Mary. Just walking when you're nine months pregnant, I imagine, must be very difficult. To walk and travel on the back of a donkey, 
90 miles for many days. It could have been cold. It could have been wet. But the two of them set off on that journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which actually is an ascent uphill. At that time of year, maybe towards the end of the year, maybe even start of winter, it could have even had snow on the ground. This was not an easy journey. And you'd think, why on earth would you want to take a pregnant woman of nine months on a journey of 90 miles? Why not just wait till after the birth? But it was in God's plan that she should go. And so they left on that journey. And you can imagine the anxiety that Joseph must have felt. The difficulty of making sure that he was looking after his wife. So he had to deal with the discomfort and all the organization of getting his wife to Bethlehem in time. Holding on to the promises of that vision of God that all would be okay. And so, as they were approaching Bethlehem at the end of their journey, you can imagine their hopes would start to rise. Their hopes would be coming to the end of the journey. They had made it. And we don't know the full story of what went on, but we do know that Mary was about to give birth. And Joseph probably had the task of finding somewhere. And he maybe tried many different places. And because there was a census, there was lots of Romans going to be in that village. There was going to be lots of other people in that village. And he couldn't find a place for his wife. Can you imagine the anxiety that he was going through? let alone the discomfort and the worry that Mary was having. He must have become absolutely desperate. And imagine he comes to the last place, the last place traditionally we call it an inn. And he knocks on the door, and of course the innkeeper comes and he tells him, I'm sorry, there is no more rooms available. And he has to turn and look back to Mary and shake his head in complete wonder. And maybe the man, the innkeeper, saw Mary and took pity. And he said, look, you can have the outhouse where the animals are kept. You can maybe, if you want, go into the stable. At least you'll be warm and dry there. And I can imagine Joseph running, saying, look, we've got somewhere. 
It's not the best place, but it is a place. And I could see him going in there and gathering as much fresh straw as he could and putting down a blanket and putting down some cloaks to make a bed for Mary. And then Luke very simply states in verse 7, and she gave birth. As simple as that. But she must have spent hours in labor in a place that offered no comforts. It's not a hospital. There's no midwives. There's no doctors. There's no epidural. There's no gas in the air. There's nothing except for her teenage husband holding her hand and offering our words of encouragement. No family. Her mother wasn't there to be around. All on her own. And finally, at the culmination of her labor, that glorious moment when she pushes out one more time and pushes out the Son of God. And he takes his first breath and cried that cry of life that as parents we all want to hear. And then Mary wrapped him in some clothes. A detail that just tells us that this was a birth like any other birth. This was just a baby like any other baby. Jesus looked physically just like any other child. And therefore he was treated like any other child and wrapped in swaddling clothes. He came out just like every other baby, exactly the same way. No doubt his mother and his father kissed this little boy and she'd hold him tightly in her arms. She would caress him and nurse him. And then Luke records that she laid him in a manger. A manger, an animal feeding trough. For the Son of God, it wasn't going to be a palace. It wasn't going to be wrapped in robes. No, it was going to be wrapped in cloths and laid in a manger. This birth was like any other birth. But this baby wasn't like any other baby. <clears throat> and the amazing thing was that Jesus was born and laid in a manger just like we have here. But he was like no other baby 
because God had a plan for his life. And this is what was different. Because God had decided that the life that Jesus was going to travel was going to take him from the crib to the cross. That's where Jesus' life was destined. And so, you can imagine the scene in that stall. Sometimes they call it a cave. Sometimes they call it just a stable. Where this little baby was destined to go from the crib to a cross. And so this was a baby like no other baby. And it was God's plan to take Jesus on this journey over 33 years, we believe. And just like Mary was there at his birth, Mary was going to be there at his death. And how she heard that first cry of life, she was also going to hear his last cry of life. When he was lifted up on that cross, and he said in his last cry, it is finished. His journey was over. And he breathed his last. No mother should have to see her son die. No mother should especially not see him suffer and be crucified in the cruel way that he was. Unjustly. But he went on that journey from the crib to the cross because of you and I. He traveled back to Jerusalem and hung and suffered there. And it says of Jesus that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shone in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it. And the good news tonight is that Jesus could not be held in the darkness. Jesus' light shines forth. And the offer that God has given to us is the birth of Christ is offered, the person of Christ is offered to you and me. And will we let that life shine into our hearts at this time, accepting Jesus as our Savior? And if we have, will we let our light shine out to others to bring the light of God into the darkness that other people are experiencing at this time 
of you. So the good news is that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So let's celebrate that with this Christmas. And let God's light shine and overcome all the darkness. Amen.